Hello and welcome to One Great History. I'm Alex. And I'm Sabrina. Uh, we're here as always with friend and producer Nick. How's it going everyone? Uh, and we've also got a special guest today. Friend and not producer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kimber. Hi guys, I've produced a few things in my day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not you, to brag. You just don't produce this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yet, unless Nick is being usurped. Aww. <laughs> no, I don't need another thing on my plate. I'm good. You're doing a great job, Nick. Uh, yeah, but Kimber is here, uh, well, partly for vibes, but also to help <laughs> us out with the science today. Because um, today, to continue our tradition of doing kind of a spooky episode in October, we're talking about cryptids. Woohoo! Um, so you guys actually both work in nature and like spend a lot more time in nature than I do generally. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever like seen anything spooky? You ever been spooked in the woods? No. <laughs> spooked in the woods. Um, I don't know. I watched like the the sequel series to Twin Peaks at the cabin one time, and that was kind of creepy. But no. <laughs> that seems more like you spooked yourself in the woods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Other than just like sharing ghost stories and stuff when you're a kid, like camping with your friends and stuff. Like, yeah, I can't. I can't think of anything. Sorry, that's really anticlimactic. Kimber, you saw all kinds of weird stuff when you used to work for the city in Winnipeg doing like pest control stuff. Kimber, can you hear us? <laughs> My internet cut out for a moment. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I live in a tech city, which means that everyone works from home and so at random times of day the internet oh, no. is like horrific oh no um sabrina just said that you saw some weird things when you used to work for the city oh, i wouldn't say any were spooky i would say p encountering people in nature is way more scary than encountering animals in nature because <laughs> like people don't belong there yeah you see, like, I don't know. Yeah, I think, yeah, I've had I've had what I would call um, spiritual experiences with okay. animals, or um, maybe altercations. But I wouldn't say anything that was spooky. <laughs> Just things that were like, okay, yeah, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. You like know? an aggressive moose. Like, that I kind remember. Of thing? No, like once when I was working for the city, I was. Uh, I was trekking through a forest. I worked for the city looking for mosquito larvae. That's what I did. So I was trekking through the forest looking for mosquito larvae. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, up the path comes running a husky, like full speed running towards me. The, this beautiful <laughs> husky with like these bright blue eyes, right? And she stops right in front of me, jumps up, puts her paws on my shoulders, looks me in the eyes, and then turns around and leaves. <laughs> what so that husky just had like a message for you yeah i was like what am i supposed to learn from this maybe it thought you were someone else it had to like really look you in the eyes yeah. to know <laughs> it was like it's like when you were a kid and you like tugged on another parent's pant leg and they turn around and you're like oh you're someone else she looked you in the eyes and it was like this maybe, is not my maybe mom she thought i was her owner <laughs> <laughs> Um, are any of you guys like cryptid believers? What's a cryptid? 
Oh, okay. All right. This is this is so funny because I had to explain this to my dad the other day too. I thought this was just a word people knew. No. Um, a cryptid, I guess, is an unproven animal. Does that make sense as a definition? Like Bigfoot. Like Bigfoot. Or a Mothman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe in the Bigfoot. Why not? <laughs> sure. Oh, I love that. As an There's new, you know what, though? Like, you think about all the stuff so, that's So, okay, in... hold on. Kimber's walked off camera, and I'm going to bet money she's grabbing a hat that says Bigfoot is real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, she's back, and she doesn't no. have a hat. So, like, you gotta, you gotta imagine though, like all the things that are underwater that we don't know about. Like, there's yeah. gotta be some like dinosaur-like stuff way down there, and then like in, in parts of the world, like something's hiding. There's, there's gotta be something that we don't know about that exists, like some sort of snaggletoothed pterodactyl with six legs. That <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, Nick, you gave me the perfect segue into our topic today <laughs> with uh, talking about spooky things under the water. Uh, or like dinosaur-like things. So we're going to be talking today about Manipogo, oh. which is our very own lake monster. Okay. Um, yeah, and so Manipogo is like a copycat name, essentially, which has been given to an animal that we'll describe in more detail, but essentially it's like a giant snake, which lives in either Lake Manitoba or Lake Winnipeg, maybe both, maybe other lakes throughout Manitoba. Um. And I say it's a copycat name because it comes from Ogopogo, which is the kind of better known British Columbia giant snake. You guys familiar with Ogopogo? I'm more familiar with Manipogo, I think, just because I live in Manitoba. Fair enough. Do you guys know where the name comes from for Ogopogo? No. No, this is really fun. Okay, so it comes from a 1924 song called The Ogopogo, The Funny Foxtrot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It goes... I'm looking for the Ogopogo, the funny little Ogopogo. His mother was a polywog. His father was a whale. I'm going to put a little bit of salt on his tail. (laughs) (laughs) So this is where the name Ogopogo comes from. And then I guess we were just like, eh, pretty good. We like that one. (laughs) Um, We'll name all other sea creatures derivatives of it. Yeah. Uh, Some people do call the Lake Winnipeg version Winnipogo. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we will not come up with an additional name. But yeah, I thought today we'd talk about some of the um, kind of myths and legends, some of the like more recent um, sort of documented sightings of Manipogo, and then we'll talk about maybe some theories. And actually, Kimber, I gave you basically the world's worst introduction. <laughs> Do you maybe want to talk about your kind of like scientific background a little She's bit? She's here for vibes. She's not qualified. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Uh, Kimber Munford, future doctor, not the real kind, the fake academic kind. <laughs> but but a science kind, so that's like kind of a medium doctor. Yeah, I, uh, it's interesting, like I, okay, so I have a biology degree, I did my undergrad at the University of Winnipeg, then I went on to do an environmental science degree um, for my master's, and now I'm doing a PhD in environmental science, so I've kind of strayed away from the biology path so to speak, but I, I consider myself a biologist at heart. Every, every time someone tries to accuse me of being a soil scientist. (laughs) How dare they? I am an ecologist first, maybe a geochemist, not a soil scientist. Except for the one time you poisoned yourself a little bit with soil. Exactly. And that proves it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like maybe if I was a soil scientist, I would know better. Mm. Do you want to wait? Do you want to tell that story super quickly? <laughs> Is this the I arsenic? Didn't yeah, myself. the arsenic time. 
I didn't no no that's long term long term so I'll maybe get skin cancer in like 30 years no big deal <laughs> everyone gets skin cancer when they're old who cares uh yeah my research uh I work with mining waste so I go to a lot of sites that are very toxic including one uh site that I had a lot of fun at where I had to wade through a stream that was contaminated with arsenic to get to the site. And then once we got to the site, it was a wetland contaminated with arsenic. And so I just basically spent the entire day with my legs soaked in arsenic. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Which I learned after I texted my boyfriend asking him to Google whether that was safe because I didn't have data. I am pretty sure I was um, hanging out with your boyfriend at that time because I remember him being like, Kimber just texted me this. And also, how do you Google, is it okay to soak your legs in arsenic for a long, for a long period? <laughs> well, I was like, there's some things that I've worked with, like uranium, right? Where skin exposure actually is totally safe. It's okay. just breathing it in that is carcinogenic so right. i thought maybe arsenic is the same turns out no you really you shouldn't get arsenic on your skin but it is way worse to breathe it in so could be worse so you didn't drink the water so i did work with the tailings which were dry like i did probably breathe a lot of arsenic in but <laughs> well so far you're okay <laughs> you don't get insurance for those things when you're a grad student you just get to get cancer in 30 years <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, all the fun things we get from our academic journeys. <laughs> the, the knowledge, trauma. the arsenic poisoning. <laughs> you did also do your undergrad thesis on Lake Winnipeg, though, if we want to bring it back to Manitoba. That's true. I, uh, I did my undergrad thesis at the University of Winnipeg looking at um, quantifying the neurotoxin BMAA in Lake Winnipeg. Um, that's a neurotoxin that's produced by blue-green algae. So I have a little bit of experience with uh, with Manitoba and freshwater. And you didn't it's see any lake monsters I... when you were testing out the t neurotoxins? Pardon me? You didn't see any lake monsters when you were uh, testing neurotoxins in the water? I didn't even go to the lake. I think oh. I've only been to Lake Winnipeg like three times. I was using samples that someone else took. I just did oh. the hard grunt work in the lab. All right. So then I guess it checks out that you didn't see a lake monster. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. There's still time. Um, yeah, so get back into the kind of the history of Manipogo. So um, sea serpents have a very old history in this area of the world. Um, and it seems that most North American societies have legends about sea snakes. Um, so the better known Ogopogo is traditionally known as Nha'atik. Um, and on our own, Manipogo could be a variation of legends about Michiganabig, which is the OG Cree name for a great serpent. So I think that's actually how it translates. But what I th find interesting is a lot of things say, like, okay, this legend about Manipogo dates back to these indigenous legends, but the way in which those legends have been sort of, like, colonized or co-opted, right? It's mm. not actually the same story we're telling about this snake we see now as, like, traditionally is told about Michiganabig. Well, we've taken the idea and made it into, like, a Loch Ness monster, essentially, right? Yes, and, like, kind of, like, scient scientificified it. That's mm. not a word. <laughs> I was on a good roll there, sounding real smart, but... Um, yeah, I mean, the Great Serpent is actually pretty significant in 
like many communities across North America. So in particular, there's a story uh, of which numerous versions are told in which Nanabosho kills a giant serpent and causes a great flood. Hmm. So like those great floods myths are often um, pretty foundational, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And in many of these stories, the serpent is more of like a spirit or a legendary being as opposed to like a physical snake living in the water. Right. So similar to something like a thunderbird. Which isn't to say that it doesn't cross over with our world at all. Mm-hmm. But I think the way we talk about it now is very differently in terms of like sightings and something that we're trying to like find pieces of, right? And find evidence of. Totally. So like, you know, if you were crossing certain bodies of water, you might bring an offering to the great serpent to ensure safe passage. So that does indicate to me that there is a belief in like, you know, an actual something there. Not It's not just metaphor. But, yeah, it's different than something that we're trying to, like, find proof of. Um, yeah, but there's also a European history of belief in mysterious sea creatures. Um, for example, the hippocampus. Are you guys familiar with this? No. no. Okay. So the hippocampus has the upper body of a horse and the lower body of a fish. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know how it swims. Seems practical. Yeah. <laughs> it seems not, like, buoyant. This is true. A horse does not seem buoyant. (laughs) Um, And it's appeared in art since at least the 4th century BCE. Um, But in medieval Europe, there was a belief that every land animal had a marine counterpart. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Is this this where we get mermaids? Very possibly. I didn't look into mermaids specifically, but you might be right. This was so widely believed that Sir Thomas Brown, who was like the 17th century intellectual thinker, he devoted a chapter of one of his books to trying to disprove this. (laughs) Um, His main argument being that um, a lot of the animals that are like considered as parallels don't actually look that much like their land counterparts. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're looking for evidence of a pattern, you'll find it, right? If you're like, I have to find the animal version of a dog. Yeah, like, there's a catfish, and it has whiskers, but it doesn't look that much like a cat, right? Sorry, Sabrina, did you say the animal version of a dog? Yeah. Dogs are animals. Oh, yeah. oh the Jesus. Fish, the fish, <laughs> fish version of a dog is what I meant. And there is a dogfish the also. The version of a dog would be like a seal or a sea lion, very yes. literally. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, that, and actually, that's not that far off, hey? They're related. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe there's something to it. <laughs> there is, we're coming fact, back around to this theory. We're coming now. back around to this theory. <laughs> there are sea versions of all land animals. Which means mermaids are real. I love this theory. I, I love this um, conclusion <laughs> we come to today. I was under the impression that mermaids were manatees. I have heard this, that yes. mermaids, yeah, that um, historically what people saw were manatees. I mean, I don't know could also just be i've never seen a manatee and thought that looks like a person yeah you'd have to be real far away chubby little faces who knows (laughs) (laughs) i feel like then they would have come back with more stories about like oh these are like they're like these really cute little people and not so much like oh sexy vixens who live in the sea (laughs) (laughs) um the point though is just that we've been talking about like mysterious water creatures for basically forever all over the globe um And yeah, I don't think it's super hard to understand why that is, right? Like, water is scary and we can't get that deep under it, especially until very recently. Is this a good time to mention that you're kind of afraid of fish? (laughs) Yeah, we could talk about that. (laughs) Do you have a fish fear? I do. 
Um, and yeah. she picked this episode. I did. I did. And then had to like look up a lot of images of fish and was like, <laughs> why, why did I do this to myself? I knew this would happen. If I had thought through this topic for more than about 30 seconds, I would have figured out, oh, hey, you'll have to like look at underwater photos. <laughs> no, did not think about it. Was deeply upset by some of the things I've seen. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll talk about some of those uh, for sure later on. There was a specific fish that Kimber and I were talking about that I really dislike. Um, yeah, so let's get into some of those sightings. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there are like kind of vague stories. I feel like a lot of these things, we sort of justify the legend by saying that stories go back a lot further than like they really do. Mm-hmm. So there are stories of there being stories, if that makes sense. Okay. So, like, there are stories of sightings from, like, back in the 1800s, but I couldn't find any real specific records of those. It was mostly just, like, people saw this. Okay. The first recording sighting I could find was in 1909. So not that long ago. No. Um, And, I mean, it could just be, like, where I'm looking, or maybe people just didn't write down that they saw sea monsters, right? (laughs) I don't know. It's also a little harder because people... It didn't get its name until much more recently, so mm-hmm. I'm just having to search things like lake creature, mysterious sea snake. Uh, you haven't unlocked the secret search term to figure out what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so there's, in 1909, a young fur trader and fisherman named Valentine McKay, who was canoeing on Cedar Lake. He heard a rumble like distant thunder, and he saw a huge creature. So he said it had a dark upper surface which glistened, and part of its body projected about four feet in the air vertically. Oh. <laughs> Hold for Samson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we probably can't really hear him that much on the microphone, so you can just keep going. <laughs> he was very He's, mad at us when we came in today. He was. I guess, uh, Nick, you weren't there to give him permission to be nice to us, so. <laughs> so he just said it'd just be kind of a stinker for yeah. a bit. Yeah, my wife let the ladies in this evening and well, samson just runs does what he does what he wants you know yeah i'm there to tell him what not to do so stinker um, mode he's harmless <laughs> <laughs> no he's a very sweet boy um yeah so he sees this uh giant snake it then disappears behind an island and that's the last he sees of it um but a side note that mckay was kind of an interesting guy so he apparently spoke cree fluently encouraged other white people who lived up north to learn how to speak Cree. And actually, I found a few letters he had, like, written to the Tribune, like, correcting things, for instance, that they had gotten wrong about, like, Cree culture. Um, So that's to say that he probably was familiar with legends in the area, right? Like, older legends about a great sea serpent or a great... I guess I say sea serpent, and I guess you guys know what I mean, but a lake serpent. (laughs) Somehow it doesn't sound as majestic, right? Um, It's like a step down? It, yeah, like, you can't have as big a serpent in a lake, can you? <laughs> um, so after that, the first sightings I could find were in the 1930s. Um, in 1934, there's a somewhat anticlimactic end to the sighting of a lake creature in Sandy Lake when it is caught and turns out to be a northern pike. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, was it just a really big northern it was, pike? Yeah, it was just a real big fish. How big was it? I don't know. Alex. <laughs> it didn't say. <laughs> Alex, did you know there's... Yeah. No, you go ahead. No. Uh, I was just going to say, that. did you know there's a band called the Northern Pikes? I did I not. No. They said they have that song, She Ain't Pretty, She Just Looks That Way. 
I was going to say, in preparation for this episode, I was doing some research on uh, sea creatures that lived in Lake Agassiz, and it turns out it's just normal fish. <laughs> There's a lot of normal fish. It was like walleye, pike, sturgeon. I was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> like, there aren't a lot of those you're going to confuse for a giant snake, right? We'll get there. We'll get, okay, we'll get to it. <laughs> Because I feel like what these sightings are giving us is like the parameters of what we're actually talking about, right? Like, what does this creature look like? What does it sound like? What does it eat? Yeah. Um, yeah, but that one was, in fact, not a sea creature at all. Just a pike. Just a just a big pike. Although it could have been like in Jaws, you know, when they think they found the shark. Oh. They catch it, but then they like cut it open and it doesn't have the guy in its stomach or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've I did, seen Jaws. I did successfully watch Jaws without getting too scared. <laughs> Sharks I won't are less watch it because I'm a fish. shark apologist. I refuse oh, really? to watch it. Yeah, I'm I mean, a shark apologist. A little... I just don't believe that sharks like are intentionally mean ever, and I don't like media that um, portrays them as such. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. This shark is like so determined to eat people, even when they're in a boat, right? Exactly. Most most shark attacks are teenage sharks. They're just going through puberty. You can't blame them. <laughs> I thought I thought That's you were going to say excuse. most shark attacks were are on teenagers. Like, listen, <laughs> you can't blame them for that you either. Can't blame them. <laughs> Sometimes we all get annoyed with teenagers. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the 1950s though is when people really start to like go crazy about Manapogo. This seems like a thing for, like, cryptids and UFOs generally, though, is the 50s. Yes, totally. It's like a kind of Cold War thing, right? Like an atomic <laughs> age thing where we're like, I don't know, there might be big things somewhere. <laughs> there might be weird creatures flying around. We just don't know. The world is scary. There Anything are nuclear to distract powers. us from, like, the threat of a nuclear winter. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so there's a woman named Bina Nord at Pionin Point, which is in Lake Manitoba. Um, she apparently went to the lake to get a pail of water and saw something in the reeds. To her, it looked like the head of a deer, but it was dark and shiny and had no ears. Um, when it swam away, she saw bumps on its back, each about a foot high. And so a funny kind of side note to that one is that apparently her own daughter didn't believe her for, <laughs> for, for 40 years until she saw it herself. Oh, yes. Whoa. So, I mean, that's a pretty long run of not believing your mom about a monster. <laughs> and, like, there's no way anyone's mom would ever let them forget that. Like, and yeah. you didn't believe me for 40 years. Yeah, and you'd have to go to your mom and be like, okay, I saw it. <laughs> um, but what really gets things going is in August of 1957, a 16-year-old boy sees a lake monster um, near Tuzad, Manitoba. So he says, at first I thought it was just a row of ducks, but when they didn't scatter after a while and the rear started to thrash about, I knew it was something else. It's so, a weird mental image. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time imagining, you'd have to be pretty far away to see a row of ducks and think that that is like a big snake, right? Mm -hmm. So he can't have been seeing whatever it was that close up, I guess. Um, but the following week, two other residents of Tuzed um, see it separately, but on the same day. Okay. Um, and they've known about this legend in the area since, like, around 1935 when there were these other sightings, which were a pike. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the description of the creature at this point is that it's 30 to 35 feet long, snake-like, with a black body and a series of humps or fins on its back, a head like a horse, and this is a quote because I have no idea what this means, 
hindquarters like a tea kettle sitting on a stove. <laughs> <laughs> so what? It's got legs? I, d- I guess in this sighting. I mean, it sounds more like it's got like a like a bum, right? Yeah. <laughs> like hindquarters <laughs> like a tea kettle tells me like. To be clear, 35 feet is like 10.7-ish meters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The deepest point of Lake Manitoba is seven meters. Oh, that's so funny. So, so imagine this long guy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he could come real far out of the water. Jeez. Like an inflatable man at like a car lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be upsetting to see. <laughs> so maybe it's just like kind of crawling along the ground then with long legs. That does actually check out because there's another one. I think so- I think that I've got somewhere in my notes where someone said that it came like six feet um, vertically out of the water. Oh, interesting. So maybe it was just standing on the bottom <laughs> with its hindquarters like a tea kettle. Um, so at the same point in August of 1957, there's also a local man by the name of Stoppel who sees it with his wife and daughter while they're out in their motorboat. He claims that they watched it for about four minutes before the women forced him to return to the dock. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't they want to watch cryptids with him? I love that they've seen this 30 foot long massive snake and he's like, no, no, let's just like stay here and watch this a while longer. And they're like, well, (laughs) Um, this guy did also operate a tourist camp. So like, Oh, so there, like, there might be some reason for him to say, like, I saw something spooky in the water. Yes, there may be reasons to build up this myth. Although, um, he actually claimed that he had even seen the monster before this teenage boy. And that he just didn't want to tell anyone because he was worried about being laughed at. Interesting. <laughs> when did he say he'd seen it before? Like, how long after the initial sighting does he come out to be like, actually, I saw it first? So he comes out not long after, like, around end of August. Okay. Um, to say that he's he's seen it, but I think he said he saw it like shortly before the boy, like not that long before. So there's this kind of rash of sightings all at the same period. So in early September, uh, the free press seeks out a guy who had seen supposedly, uh, the monster back in 1943. So Mm -hmm. this hadn't, I guess, made as much of a splash then when it was like just him and his friends who saw it. But now that there's a bunch of people who are saying they've seen it, they want to hear from him. So this guy's named C.P. Allery. He's a post office worker. He says what he saw was a brownish black thing about six feet long that reared up out of the swamp and disappeared a few seconds later. So it's unclear actually to me in that account if like the whole thing was six feet long or if that's just the extent of it that he could see. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but he didn't investigate further because he and his friends oh, were- Oh, Kimber has a biology afraid. question? Oh yeah, go for it. I'm wondering, have most of these sightings been in the open water? Because you're saying, like, out of the swamp? Is that what you said? Or out of the marsh? Like, is it um, coming out of the sides, the shoreline of the lake? Where interesting. You have, like, most reeds? of the sightings seem to be from the shoreline, like, in the reeds. Um, so it's not necessarily I mean, a water creature. That's This is true. Um, there is the one guy, I guess, right, who said he saw it out on his motorboat. But yeah, most of the sightings are people who were, like, on the beach, um, going swimming, whatever, that kind of thing, getting a pail of water. Hmm. Okay. We'll add that to our little list of clues. (laughs) We'll crack this yet. Yeah. So, Allery says that, um, the thing had a hideous, unearthly cry. 
which is like the main <laughs> yes which is the main focus of this free press article for whatever reason it's like how scary it sounded um and says uh the article says in the night stillness of sandy point the cries of the monsters mr allery says there's are obviously more than one carried for many miles so and for whatever reason he and his friends had a theory that it was living in local caves so actually kimber you might be onto something here their theory is that it's i guess amphibious to some extent right or or it, it's going in the water but like living in caves on land okay so a few days later a 19 member expedition heads out to the area to try to capture the creature so everyone's gone crazy now for Manipogo. Is it officially called Manipogo yet? Mostly it's still being called a lake creature. Okay. I Like, the name Manipogo I do think exists at this point. Because um, I see it referenced in 1958. Okay. Um, but most of these are just calling it, like, a lake creature mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, it's really in, like, the 60s and 70s that I see, like, Manipogo thrown around all over. Okay. Um, so... This expedition heads out with a fully equipped frogman, so basically someone with a diving suit. Um, And it's kind of a motley crew. It includes a songwriter from Santa Monica, a free press photographer, a teacher, a railway engineer, a lawyer and his son, and a guy who owned a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, that's how the paper (laughs) describes him. Just a guy that owns a boat. Yeah, just like... A guy who has a boat. What a ragtag cryptid crew. Yeah, I mean, there's more, too. That's that's not all of them. But, like, I think there was only one guy who was, like, an experienced diver. Most of them don't seem to be all that qualified to be, like, out in nature exploring. Here's my Um, uh, biting political commentary. Uh, Yeah. Still more qualified than the Clean Environment Commission. (laughs) (laughs) That's... Who's that joke that's for? That's a joke for a very niche group, I think, Kimber. Right over my head. They know who they are. There's there's one person in the audience right now killing themselves at that. <laughs> where are my, so like, where are my uh, very small-time NDP organizers from Manitoba at? <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What qualifications do you have to have to go, like, chase a cryptid? I don't well, know. Like, what was the recruitment process for this, then? How'd they find these people? Oh, great question. I have no idea. Because they got together pretty quickly. It's like an ad in the paper being like, want to look at a big monster? Because, <laughs> yeah. like, right, one of them's a guy from Santa Monica. Yeah. So You sit in the cr- back of the tavern with a really big, creepy hat. Okay? <laughs> Arms crossed. You're not eating anything. You just wait for them to come to you. When they come to you and they're like, cool hat, you're like, want to hear about cryptids? <laughs> I have I got a, quest a quest for you. For you. <laughs> what? Did you just both say that at the same time? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> wow. Oh no. We've reached a new level of nerddom here, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so they take boats out on the water, <clears throat> and the frogman, the diver, descends five times with a spear gun. I guess they're planning to shoot the thing if they find it, which is kind of <laughs> oh wild. God. I don't know why they're not just planning to, like, photog- photograph it or whatever. Um, but they didn't see anything. That being said, they do say that the water was so murky they couldn't even see fish. So they're just kind of diving down and seeing literally nothing. Which is all- that's scary. Oh, yeah, that would be scary. I mean, I guess if the guy's an experienced diver, probably that's, I yeah. don't know, 
I don't know, might still be spooky. I don't know. I've gone diving when there's only like one or two feet of visibility. It's horrific. Okay, there you go. Especially, I guess, if you think you're going to see a monster, right? You never know. Yeah. I guess you'd probably want to have a spear gun just in case then, wouldn't you? In case, like, you get down there and there's a 30-foot sea creature, like, three feet away from you. This I've is never Jaws. taken a spear gun, personally. Yeah, this is just... but... <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> um, now, they did have a guide with them, someone who was actually, like, familiar with the area and, you know, experienced in whatever, being in nature. Um, however, he at one point um, collapses. I'm, it's not entirely clear why. He's just, like, not feeling well. He, like, you know, passes out or whatever. So he has to stay behind while they go out on the water hmm. um, to kind of recuperate. And apparently, while he's on his own, the creature appears to him. So also closer to the shore, then. Oh, true. Yes. Though also when he's alone, conveniently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he says that it was black and snake-like with a loud roar, 30 feet long with bumps along its back. So he apparently ran to try to get to them, but it disappeared very quickly. So he was the only one who saw it. Um, In the meantime, the rest of the group had actually gone to um, explore these caves where some people thought the creature was living. Um, So what they found there was teeth, hair, and bones from smaller animals, along with a weaving track along the floor, which looked like it came from a heavy snake-like creature. Hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, there could be any number of things living in a cave, I guess, that would eat small (laughs) creatures, but... Just a weird guy. Yeah. (laughs) Just a man who likes to slither. (laughs) This is what I mean. People are scarier. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know what? If I went into a cave and there was a snake slithering, I'm like, yeah. If there's a man slithering, but then also with like small animal corpses scattered around. <laughs> yeah, get, get out right now. <laughs> you will die there. Um, the rest of the group did think that they might have encountered it once, but without having seen it. So there are two boats. So one of them leaves the area of the cave. And the second apparently got stuck when, quote, something underneath the boat gave the motor a sharp twist and split the propeller shaft right down the middle. So the boat actually had to paddle back. Oh. So I guess their theory there was that the the creature had, like, sabotaged their boat, essentially. (laughs) And not the fact that it's a pretty shallow lake. Um, With, like, lots of rocks? (laughs) Don't be ridiculous, Kimber. (laughs) 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 No one's one's heard of rocks damaging boats. (laughs) Only cryptids. Yeah. No, I think you're probably right. I think probably they hit a big rock or something. But, I mean, you know, you're probably, like, if you imagine being in that expedition, you're probably all, like, adrenaline up, right? You're in a spooky cave. You're in a spooky cave. You've seen a bunch of small animal bodies and bones. Because nothing eats small animals in the woods. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love haunted houses. And so I love being scared. Like, whenever I go to things like that, all of the the actors, all the people, they know I'm the person to go after. Because I'm just having so much fun. Yes, I've done a haunted house with you. Yeah, like, they jump out at me and I'm like, oh! You know? <laughs> like, you're scared and delighted? Yeah. I mean, it is it is fun to be spooked. That's why we do Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the right amount. <laughs> I am prone to being too spooked. 
But you getting spooked, it's like, yeah, like, you you saw a fish. Oh, my God, I'm so spooked. Yeah. <laughs> I managed to watch Jaws. I did. <laughs> no, like I said, I don't think sharks are as scary as fish. I don't know if that's weird. But. It's the correct take. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think sharks maybe seem more intelligent. I, like, trust a shark not to mess with me. <laughs> I, don't I what, guess. I don't know what a fish is going to do. Actually, a um, fish-related anecdote, kind of, that I have is that one of our friends once uh, punched a turtle (laughs) while swimming at a beach. She was doing, like, the breaststroke and put her hand in the water and punched the turtle shell. (laughs) So not intentionally. Not intentionally, but she she punched it. Just sucker punched it. Jeez. Like, that turtle was just going about its day, and then... She was just trying to swim. Yeah. (laughs) No one had a good experience. And then punching happened. Oh, man. But no one punches Manapogo. No, not as far as I know. <laughs> there was an old guy in this area who claimed that, like, not only did Manapogo exist, not only had he seen it, but he, like, basically hung out with it all the time. <laughs> like, no, this is some peak old dude stuff right oh, yeah. here. Right. So this was an old fisherman. He'd go and, like, pull in his nets every morning, and he claimed that if there were fish he didn't want, he would throw them out to this creature. Okay. <laughs> you don't believe this? No, but I can I can imagine the old man saying this stuff. A hundred percent. I think he also told some other fishermen at some point that um they like they claimed that they had been chased by it and he told them it was because they hadn't fed it. So there's all kinds <laughs> of fisherman stories going on here. I don't know. Who's this Scooby Doo villain running around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the end of this episode we actually pull the mask off of Manapogo. <laughs> and it's just the old fisherman. It's the old fisherman. Um, yeah, so in 1958, I also found this funny article where, um, I think this was the free press, they said, not only for its future tourist value, but also for its mystery, residents of this province should try to develop good public relations with the Lake Manitoba monster. For tourist purposes? (laughs) Yes, and I kind of- Befriend the lake monster as a marketing exercise. It's important. This is kind of, like, this is low-key my theory about why it gets so much more press coverage all of a sudden in, like, the 50s and 60s. It's not because more people are seeing it, but just because the paper's like, this would be good for tourism. (laughs) Manitobans will literally- layout offerings for a sea monster before they'll try to prevent zebra mussels from getting into Lake Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> this is a less niche joke. <laughs> we can we can all be scared of zebra mussels. <laughs> um I mean I guess that's that's more complicated, isn't it? To get rid of zebra mussels than to like throw a few fish to a uh, sea you monster. can't get rid of them. No, that's the thing. Once they're there, they're there. Alright, so I mean why bother? No. Might as well give up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's, um, in 1960, another kind of rash of sightings. So in July, uh, 20 people at Manitoba Beach uh, said that they saw a big sea snake. So it was described as having a small, flat head, about eight inches wide, with a larger body. And they said they could only see between six and ten feet of the animal at a time. So they think it's a lot bigger, I guess, but they're only seeing that much of it at a time. Um, They say that every three feet, the snake had a hump about two feet long and one foot high, that it was black with a white stomach, and that it moved gracefully at about 15 miles per hour. With a white stomach? Yeah, so that's new. That's new in this sighting. 
Um, but a fish inspector in the area says that people have been telling him about some kind of creature for the last seven years. So that kind of jives with this thing about that it's mostly in the 50s that people really start seeing whatever this thing is. Um, another local fisherman said that he had previously seen it about six years ago and I guess just, like, hadn't talked about it. There must be so many old men who were just, like, so happy that (laughs) the newspapers came to talk to them about their weird fish story, right? (laughs) Yeah, probably. I'm sure Um, they told their, like, grandkids. And they were like, okay, grandpa. His theory was also that they lived in the caves. Hmm. So there are multiple people with this cave theory. I don't know why. Caves are spooky. Caves, yeah, that's true. Water spooky. Caves are also spooky. Who knows what's in them? Um, interestingly, though, this gets enough buzz that a University of Manitoba professor of zoology named James A. McLeod decided to go and look for Manipogo. Oh, so now like an actual science expedition and not just like nine guys in a boat of miscellaneous qualifications. Yes, and he actually goes to, I think he goes to Lake Winnipegosis, which is where there have been a bunch of sightings recently. Um, and he actually does this two year, two summers in a row. He like spends his summer looking for Manipogo. Um, so he has been told by a number of residents that they had seen the creature. And what he says, which is actually pretty reasonable, he says, we can't say for sure they didn't see anything. So until we identify what they saw as something commonplace or otherwise, we can't call them liars. Um, and his belief was essentially that there was something in the lake that wasn't common to Manitoba. So I think he was proposing that, you know, there's not necessarily like an actual monster or like prehistoric creature living in the lake, but just that there is something there that like local residents wouldn't be used to seeing, right? Something that had somehow gotten into this body of water. Yeah, how would it, I guess it would have had to come in from... From somewhere. I don't know how all the waterways work. Well, I'm trying Kimber, to think of... is there is there a way that something could get there from, like, somewhere else? I mean, it all eventually drains into Hudson's Bay. Yeah. So, like, I guess, hypothetically, a beluga a whale or something swim, could, like... Yeah. yeah, but, like, a really messed up beluga whale. Yeah, like, a real, a real sick, skinny whale. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they would do that, but yeah, it's it all flows to the north, right? So it yeah. would be weird for something to come the opposite direction. Interesting. Yeah, that's true. So it would have to come from way far south then. I don't know what spooky fish creatures exist between here and like the southern states. Like coming up through like the Red River, just like... One alligator. If it's Lake Winnipeg, or if it's Lake Manitoba slash Lake Winnipegosis specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Then that watershed, it would be like, what's the spooky thing in Saskatchewan? That's mm-hmm. what we really need to find out. Saskatchewan and again, something spooky. It's the people. <laughs> <laughs> I can say it's that. I was a, born there. It's just a really long man. <laughs> just a long man in a wetsuit. <laughs> He's just trying to have a good time. People are throwing fish at him. Yeah. He's been having these great, like, sushi dinners every night. <laughs> I do not want to have fresh water Manitoban sushi. <laughs> As yeah, somebody studying freshwater Manitoban sushi Winnipeg. restaurant. <laughs> um, okay, and he's partly led by, or at least goes to consult with, this guy named Oscar Fredrickson. So this guy apparently found some unusual bones, particularly one large unusual bone in the 1930s. Apparently the bone itself was destroyed, but he had made a replica out of wood. So this is what he has to show to show Dr. McLeod. 
and Fredrickson agreed to take McLeod to where he saw the bone um, in the hope of finding others. Unfortunately, they are not able to find any others. But I do want to note that I looked, I looked pretty hard. I could not find any records of this guy prior to 1961. Interesting. Yes. So, Did you have, like, a picture of the bone? Ooh, I think I, I probably have one somewhere. I don't think I have it with me, unfortunately. It just looks like a, a big bone to me. Um, what McLeod said was basically that, like, either this is a replica of, like, some genuine, um, like, bone of something that wouldn't be common to these waters, or that it was made by someone who was very familiar with, like, prehistoric creatures. So. Could he have just found, like, an old fish fossil? Well, it depends how much we want to believe this guy, essentially. So, if it were a fossil, it wouldn't have burned up in a fire. Yep. I suspect that the original just never existed. That he just carved a wooden bone and made up a story, honestly. <laughs> Want to see something cool? Yeah. <laughs> well, because like I say, like I looked quite hard for this guy, and there was nothing about yeah. him having found a bone earlier than this. And I feel like this is something this guy would have talked about, right? <laughs> Probably. Maybe. I don't know. And again, like, you know, we're limited by the records we have. Maybe just the papers didn't want to talk to him about the weird bone he found. <laughs> also possible. He'd been writing for them for months, and yeah. they ignored his findings. <laughs> um, yeah, so they don't find any bones. Um, oh, I also have a note here that a group in 1960, around the time that McLeod was investigating, said that they saw the monster and that it also had a mate and a baby with it. Okay. So there's yeah. now three of them. There's now at least three. Which other people have said, too. They said that they, like, heard multiple ones. Though that's the first time that we hear about someone who's seen more than one at once. Okay. Also, I like that this very, like, nuclear family of of lake monsters. <laughs> yeah, how often do, like, aquatic animals have... Like, mom and dad and baby? <laughs> I don't know. Um, now, this expedition was not looked upon kindly by everyone. Um, BC's provincial biologist, Charles Giguet, said... Boards of trade love these things, but universities do not go on expeditions looking for monsters. <laughs> Is this not functionally what yeah. the first biologist we reached out to said? Yeah, that's actually true. I don't, I don't want to throw this particular biologist under the bus, but I did reach out to another biologist who I know who said that he would be happy to come on the show to talk about real animals, <laughs> but didn't want to talk about this. See, I'm, I'm a microbiologist, so, like, I already don't really see the things that I study, so, like, what's the difference? They might as well be fake. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if we ever do a real animal story, maybe we can invite him on, but he didn't want to talk about this, which, honestly, entirely fair. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I, I could see, like... If you were having a career in biology, being worried about how it would impact your career, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to see this when I apply to be, like, an environmental science professor and be like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're not even in the province. How many people out your way are listening to a Winnipeg history podcast anyway? Hey, I'm trying to get you fans. I'm trying. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you said that in, in such a, like, downtrodden way. You're like, listen, guys. <laughs> I've been walking the walk. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, and I mean, also, like, we were never, like, spoiler alert, the message of this episode was never going to be like, and there is a monster in Lake Winnipeg. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, we're, we're not about to ruin your reputation, Kimber. 
unless that's a claim you want to make. I mean, I'm o- I'm open to that. I'll um, ruin yeah, my but... own reputation. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but McLeod seems to kind of give up on this search after 1962 or so. Um, he my- makes one final statement, um, which I'll mention in a minute, but he basically go back goes back to standard biology and like has a really successful career just studying normal things whatever marmots and uh, <laughs> <laughs> real animals that was your first reference uh i no i legitimately came across an article where he's talking about some kind of small weasel thing and i've forgotten what it actually okay. was <laughs> less interesting than manipoka yeah unless you're really into marmots then maybe it's more interesting who am i to say uh, in 1961, another group of people see it in August. So this is becoming kind of like an annual thing. There's, there's like sightings in the summer. Um, and even at some point, there's an article like towards the end of one summer where they're like, hey, no one's seen Manapoco yet this year. <laughs> <laughs> so this one reads, monster back, Manapogo's on the go. <laughs> Which I think is really cute. That sounds like a TMZ headline. It does. <laughs> Monster spotted. Who wore it best? <laughs> They're just like us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a group at Twin Beaches on Lake Manitoba had seen it in this case, and this is this is a quote from uh, one of the people who saw it. He said. Blanche saw it and said, isn't that a boat sinking? And someone said, no, it's the monster. <laughs> so very, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Manipogo. <laughs> no, that's my wife. <laughs> um, so again, I guess if to think it was a boat sinking, again, you'd have to be pretty far away, I guess, right? This wouldn't be something that you're seeing like right up in front of you because a snake does not look like a boat in most cases. <laughs> Interesting claim. I mean, as neither as an expert on neither boats nor <laughs> nor snakes, uh, maybe. But um, so this one they said was about forty feet long, with one large middle bit and like short bits at each end coming out of the water. So this sounds actually like something else, to be honest. Yeah. Um, they said that this one also was yellowy brown and looked slimy. So this is different than other sightings, and I don't know what this is. <laughs> a different monster sounds like a floating tree <laughs> no it sounds actually, like just like actually, a fallen tree you know what you might be right <laughs> no i think that one i think we've cracked this one specific mystery and actually here i have something to show you in a second i know it might be hard uh, to show you over zoom but i will try so in 1962 a photograph is finally taken of manipogo finally <laughs> So, two television men apparently took the first photographs. <laughs> two television men. Yeah. This is a quote of the of the whatever it is. <laughs> so, this is the picture in the paper and this is like my copy of a thing which was photocopied. So, it's really bad quality, but this is what it looks like. So, it barely looks like it's on the water. Hang oh, on. Jesus. Uh, wait, did I knock <laughs> did I knock your What an ordeal. Sorry. I'm trying to show Kimber. <laughs> Oh yeah, maybe it's the the screen and screen, but to me it looks like a line. Uh, yeah. So essentially, what it is is like a line with a little kind of bump coming up in the middle. Okay. Yeah, like that's, a graph. that's all it is. Okay. So like a tree. This could, in fact, be a fallen tree. I could see that. <laughs> um. And I will, I will post this, but it's really not very good quality. I mean, it's much worse than, like, the Loch Ness Monster photos. Which is saying a lot. Which is a lot, because that is also bad. 
And I really, like, this is poorly digitized, but I don't think the original looked much better. (laughs) (laughs) No, probably not. And actually, I'd like to read the thing from underneath this. It says, is it is or is it ain't? (laughs) (laughs) That was the burning question Wednesday when this photo, taken from an unretouched original negative of an object described as an eel-like, foot-thick inhabitant of Lake Manitoba, arrived in the Free Press's newsroom. News commentator Dick Vincent of Pemina, North Dakota, who said he took the photo from a distance of 50 to 75 yards Monday, says he's convinced Lake Manitoba's fabled Manipogo has finally posed for a portrait. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, and this is the last time we hear from McLeod, and he says, like, kind of like, could be <laughs> like I don't, he, he's like you know he doesn't come out super definitively but he's like oh it's an interesting picture <laughs> and he's sort of like you know we we can't explain necessarily you know for sure what's in i'm it. sure you saw something yeah <laughs> now that's a photo that it, that that sure is a photo that you took <laughs> um yeah so there are some continued sightings in the 1970s um, so some men at Lake St. Martin, um, come across at one point what they think might be an elk in the water, but its neck was too long and then it submerged and didn't come up again. And that one's not super significant, but I should mention it cause that sounds terrifying. So what if the elk drowned? Yeah. <laughs> I just saw an elk drown and did nothing. They were like, Oh, a monster, I guess. Okay. But also if an elk is drowning, you should not save it. Okay. I hate to give you spoilers, but I have something to say later. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. Does it involve an elk, elk drowning? I, who's to say? Okay. <laughs> um, and I feel like the sightings get like a little bit iffier after this. Like the yeah. kind of like craze for sightings is kind of over. There are even like, yeah, there are more articles that are like, whatever happened to Manipogo in like the 70s? <laughs> like no one's seen MTV, them for a while. where are they now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's some sightings that are just like ice being pushed up, like as if some kind of long slender creature were trying to come up for air, but also, you know, ice moves sometimes. Or perhaps a floating tree. <laughs> Interesting. Um, also reports of things like holes in fishing nets, which could be anything, a- anything. That, anything that wanted to eat a fish, right? Or, or a sharp rock. <laughs> we have a lot of those. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there are continued occasional sightings, but nothing like super exciting after kind of the 50s and 60s. There are ones as, as recent as I found like 2012, you know, into the 2010s. So people are still seeing Manipogo, but we haven't had a big kind of Manipogo craze mm. since then. Um, yeah, so I thought we'd talk now about what this thing might be. Um, can I, like, summarize what we know about it, maybe? Yes. Okay, so um, we know that it has a head like a horse. Um, it's dark colored. It's at least six feet, but up to, like, 20 or 30 feet long. It's got bumps on its back, Maybe. It maybe has fins, but probably no legs. Um, and it hasn't attacked anything. Like, it's not it's not aggressive or anything, but it does maybe eat fish. So those are the things that we know <laughs> about Manipogo. And it might make an unearthly noise? Oh, yeah. It's also got a roar. Based on that, I was about to say, like, it's my, maybe a messed up moose. Okay. <laughs> um, Kimber, wait, did you, have a, did you want to tell us your elk thing? Because I also have a weird moose thing to, to add. <laughs> 
Go for it. Okay. There are also stories about an underwater moose. This is a... <laughs> no, what? Huh. This, this is a separate myth, and I'm so glad you said that because I didn't know how to work this in. <laughs> I'm always ready to talk about moose. So this is like another kind of like older legendary creature, the underwater moose, just like not as popular as Manapogo, Does I it guess. have a name or is it just underwater moose? In English, underwater moose, it has a name in Cree, but I I didn't practice this one. And okay. <laughs> okay. Fair. It's going to go poorly if I try here. Um, so the underwater moose is supposed to be stouter and fatter than an ordinary moose with shorter legs. <laughs> also with different antlers. Some say it has antlers that are more like, like twigs or branches and extremely difficult to kill. So, but there's a really funny bit where, um, so the author of this book I was reading on like Manitoba creatures, um, sent away a DNA sample from a pair of antlers, which was supposedly from an underwater moose. And do you guys want to guess what it came back as? Moose? It came back as moose. <laughs> so. <laughs> so probably probably a sick moose. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so let's talk about some, I don't know, sea creatures or like theories. Kimber, what are you, what are you thinking? Some developed throughout this, some that I came in with. So developed throughout this, guy from Saskatchewan that's really long. <laughs> yeah, long guy. Long guy, love it. Long guy. Um, I personally find tall people very scary, so I can totally <laughs> understand. I, I think that, you know, you think about Bigfoot, right? Bigfoot represents this, like, inherent fear of the forest. Yeah. Yeah. But also an inherent fear of tall guys. This is true. Bigfoot is basically just a tall guy. He's just a tall guy. So what if a tall guy was long? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just Slender Man. <laughs> just occasionally retreats to the, to the lake. <laughs> to slither. Yeah, has a little slither through the water. To give it like a very real shake. Probably, I would say, trees floating on the water, but also potentially sturgeon. Yeah. Okay. Sturgeon can about... be very yeah. long. And they also can walk, kind of. What? No, I'm sorry, kids. what? Kimber, this is the worst thing you've ever told me. <laughs> like, what? Like, they'll, they'll kind of, like, go, like, straight up from, like, the, the bottom of the water, like this. Oh. What? Okay, yeah, that would frighten me extremely badly if I saw that. Right? I would be very scared. And, like, sturgeon generally now, because they've been so overfished, are not super long. But hypothetically, you can find ones that are as long as some of these sightings. And mm -hmm. they have, like, a bumpy back. They kind of look dinosaur-y, right? Like, That's true. They I do have that kind of bumpy back. And I guess that could explain why we see it less now and maybe more in the past if, it's, if there used to be bigger ones. I don't really know specifically about sturgeon in Lake Manitoba, but they do yeah. exist in Manitoba. Um, that that would be like giving it an actual fair shake, what I would think, right? But I also yeah. think that like these stories or these creatures, whatever, right? That like there have been times throughout history where people have cited these things have not been believed and then they have been real, like giant squids. Yeah. 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 Do you want to talk a little more to giant squids and what those are? I mean, obviously I don't we don't have those here, but like. 
I don't know this a lot the about upsetting thing you've been talking about. No. <laughs> it's just an example, right? That like, you know, for years and years and years, people were saying they were seeing these giant animals in some way, either having them attack their ship or what have you. And even when presented with more or less real evidence, it was really hard for scientists to accept that it was real. Right. Um, and then eventually we got actual proof. And now we have giant squids on camera and all this stuff. And now we're trying to explain this phenomenon of like monsters, quote unquote, underwater growing to these huge, huge, huge sizes that don't even make sense. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Not to be like, well, maybe it is real, but I think that there's a lot of weird stuff. There's a lot of big creepy guys. There's a lot of small creepy guys. (laughs) The ocean's a weird place. The water's a weird place. Yeah, Yeah, like I said, like the water's spooky, right? We can't, I've never been to the bottom of Lake Manitoba. God willing, I never will. (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've scuba dived deeper than that, but not in Lake Manitoba. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the one we were talking about was a lamprey. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> these, these freak me out a lot. There was, And there was a story about this one. So this was um, one particular older trapper who had said that he had seen, like, this long thing that freaked him out. He thought it must be the creature. Um, he was basically shown a picture of a lamprey, and he said, kind of disappointed, like, oh, yeah, it looked like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so small, relatively speaking. Um, so one thing that I saw was that apparently lamprey can sometimes like clump together almost like hang out in a group and kind of like loop up. So from a distance, I mean, if if you're seeing something that you think might be a row of ducks, maybe, you know, if you're far enough away, probably a group of like, you know, long gross fish could also equally be that. I don't know. I yeah, think lamprey is one of those ones that's like. We weren't meant to see it. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is my position as a scientist. There's a lot of animals that we were not meant to see. They're not and for I, human consumption. Yeah, and when you look at a picture of a lamprey, I've dissected lamprey, like, for classes. And, like, lamprey's mouths are, like, this circular sucker full of teeth. And you can touch them, Ugh. and it's horrific. You touch them, and you're Aww. like, this isn't for me. Mm-mm, there's no. something wrong here. I'm getting cursed or something. Like, <laughs> horrific um and and an interesting thing about lampreys specifically um lamprey are usually used as an example of this really really early stage of vertebrate evolution oh so lamprey evolved like a very 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 long time ago i i like 300 to 400 million years ago okay they perfected early (laughs) yeah they're perfect Uh, (laughs) that's what i think when i look at a lamprey (laughs) But, like, you think about, you know, when we talk about these potentially mythical, potentially real creatures, cryptids, whatever, that a lot of the time people are drawing comparisons to things that have been around for a really long time, right? Things like sharks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That have been around for much longer than humans can even fathom. Yeah. And sometimes have life cycles that we cannot even fathom, right? So, like, a Greenland shark, right? Greenland sharks can live like hundreds of years. That's oh. crazy, yeah. And like turtles, hey, can live super long. Yeah. 
Yeah. In in Canadian waters, we have a shark that has the longest gestational period of any animal, and it's two full years. Oh wow. That would be, that, that just sounds unpleasant, honestly. <laughs> right. But I'm thinking, you know, you think about these kind of creepy creepy. Uh, you know, these things that have existed for so, so, so long that diverged yeah. from our evolutionary tree so, so long ago that humans can scarcely comprehend it, right? Yeah. They have aspects of their life cycle that we just don't, we'll never get. Sure. Yeah. Um, I just Googled lamprey. Sorry, this is a terrifying thing. (laughs) Wow, it's like something out of Beetlejuice or something. Wow. It really should not exist. Yeah. Yeah. No, and this is what, (laughs) this is what I got myself into when I was like, I was looking this up and I was like, Oh, what's a lamprey? Oh, Alex, no. <laughs> I go to YouTube and I'm like, lamprey, <laughs> just so innocently. <laughs> and now you know something you shouldn't. Yeah, now that's going to be in my nightmares. <laughs> no, you're right. It's something that humans shouldn't see. Yeah, like I actually have a a local, I don't want to say legend, because I believe it, mm-hmm. but I have a story. Oh. I heard many biology legends when I was doing my degree at the University of Winnipeg there were lots of like little stories about things that happened at the university that may or may not be true right yeah right like I remember being told once a story about um how back when you could smoke cigarettes in the lab someone (laughs) was smoking a cigarette while handling a pit viper (laughs) but wow pit vipers have these pits along their mouth that sense heat oh and so when the pit viper sensed the cigarette it lunged at the person <gasps> oh. who was oh, handling it and bit him this is how the story goes bit him in the nose in such a way that the his fang went right through his nose like pierced oh. his nose oh <laughs> terrible is that true or not yeah. i don't know that's I'll true, and know. I tend to think that a lot of stories are, like, a little bit true, right? Yeah. That, like, I, I tend to think that people don't often come up with things out of whole cloth. I mean, sometimes they yep. do. Some people some people just like to tell stories. But I think what a lot of us do, right, is something a little bit interesting happens to us. Like, you know, you saw, some, you saw a big tree, and for a second you thought it was a long snake. And you go home and you're like, I saw a long snake. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And then those things spiral, right? As more people tell the story. Right. Then your wife goes and tells someone else, hey, my husband saw a long snake. And now you have to stand by that story. (laughs) For the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that last year in our October Falcon Lake episode as well. Right. Yeah. Like if it was something that was made up, you kind of can't walk it back. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, in some of these cases where numerous people in a community are claiming to have seen a thing, there's probably, to some extent, like, oh, the papers are coming to town. That's, like, fun. I want to be, like, in the paper. Sure, I saw it, too. Or, like, you heard your friend talk about it, then you saw a tree in the lake, and you thought, oh, that looks like what my friend described. Yeah. Some sort of, like, confirmation bias going on, too. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I just remembered, though, one time, okay, when I was in Japan... Um, I was going into Takayama on the train, and out the window, I saw a monkey. <laughs> I saw it clambering up a rock, and my family would not believe that I had seen a monkey. To this day, I say, I'm like, remember when I saw a monkey? They're like, 
okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> monkeys in Japan? That's not that weird. I know. So later on, I went and looked up and like got confirmation from someone else. They're like, no, they're like monkeys in Takayama. So I'm like, see, I saw a monkey. <laughs> I have a uh, lower stakes version of this where I uh, once saw Fred Penner on campus at the U of yeah. W and I told Kimber's mom and she did not believe me. What? Fred Penner's around all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his daughter used to teach musical theater at my dance oh, yeah. studio. <laughs> my mom has a healthy amount of skepticism that I appreciate. <laughs> Towards me, apparently. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle, I know you're listening. Um, when I was a kid, I made my dad promise to always believe me. <laughs> <laughs> what an insecure little girl. Well, <laughs> it's really embarrassing for you. Funny is I found out the other day my little sister did the exact same thing. Separate separately we did this. Because because it's a theme in so many children's stories that like a kid sees a monster or a ghost or something and tries to tell their parents, and their parents are like, You've just had too much Halloween candy, right? And so I made my dad promise that he would believe me if I like saw a monkey and look what happened. That's true. He That's broke such his an innocent response to that because I loved that kind of media when I was a kid, but it's because I felt not believed or oh. cared for by my parents. And yeah. so I loved those stories because I was like, yeah, parents are inherently evil. Yeah, they don't <laughs> they don't protect us and they don't respect us. That makes sense. So I like yeah, those stories. Uh, no, and it I guess like to me the idea that my dad would not believe me was was so like frightening and like, well, like, could that happen? right i took it as confirmation you know i was like yeah for sure parents are evil yeah (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez um yeah i'm not sure how we got here from from sea monsters but you know that's i think i think what i'm saying is that i feel a little bit bit guilty when i second guess people for the stories they tell yeah Mm -hmm. like i do think people tell fibs sometimes and i don't know maybe there shouldn't be so much like shame around that like i think we all do that right or maybe I'm outing myself as a liar. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hit you with uh, a local legend. Okay. And you can decide what you think about it. Okay. Because it's it's sort of like a conspiracy in the sense that there is no way to prove it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was told when I was doing my biology degree at the University of Winnipeg that in Sewell Lake, which is a lake that's in the Shiloh military base, in Shiloh, Manitoba, mm-hmm. right? That there was at one point in time giant leeches. Like how giant? Thirty plus centimeters. Is okay, what I was okay. Told. too big. Yeah, <laughs> like if you've ever had experience with leeches, I've had much experience with leeches. <laughs> um, the smaller the better, is my review. Yeah, uh, I've only had, had experience with like the like real tiny ones. I saw one that was like this big once. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, like maybe this... five or six centimeters yeah, tops, yeah. right? Not thirty. Like yeah, that's... but I've never looked at it and thought, mm, I want this one to be bigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I the was told that these leeches existed in Sewell Lake, and that on top of that, the something about the layout of Sewell Lake or something meant that there were these like mats of basically moss at different points throughout the lake. But because, of course, Manitoba's very flat, deer and other animals might think that it's one continuous sheet of land. 
And I was told that deer and other animals would approach the uh, the shoreline, take a step, fall in, drown, get swarmed by these giant leeches. Oh Oh my god. And die, of course. Um, I mean, I have seen my cat step on things they thought were a solid surface and then fully fall in. So, like, that part is not that unbelievable to me. (laughs) This is why I'm bringing this up, you know, with the the elk drowning or what have you, (laughs) right? It's that, like, I was told all of this information and I completely believed it. Took it in, like, I soaked it in. I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Because I was also told, well, then they set up the Shiloh military base and now we'll never be able to study these things. Mm. Oh, this is some X-Files stuff right here. (laughs) There we go. But it's not that they're trying to hide it. That wasn't the perspective that the person who told me it was coming from. It's just a weird, like, like, twist of fate. Like, they're there now, so we'll never know. Yeah, like, it's just like, oh, now the government owns that land and there's, like, military training on it. So anything that was in that lake is probably dead. Right. I tell this story (laughs) to be like, did the person who told me this story believe it? because they really want there to be 30 centimeter leeches <laughs> or did they believe it because they like believe that the government is bad for the same no. reason anyone believes any conspiracy right for the same reason that we believe in bigfoot or people in general right. believe in bigfoot because the forest is spooky right that's interesting there's a there's a more like core belief there right in this case that the water is spooky Mm-hmm. which is entirely fair bad things can happen you can drown you know 30 centimeter long leeches can apparently can kill you. <laughs> maybe there are tubes in the ocean hear me out on this <laughs> oh. I, don't, I don't feel like i want to <laughs> there are animals in the ocean that are just tubes and I'm not talking about tube worms, so don't even try to Google it, okay? <laughs> I'm talking about animals that are just tubes. Like, are they're they just hollow? A, they're just a tube, yes. All and the way through? Like, you could, like, a, like a straw, you could go all the way through? Yeah. What? There's animals that are just tubes. And here's the thing. These haunt me. When I first <laughs> learned about these tubes, I had an existential crisis. I was like, there are things we are not meant to know. <laughs> and I was not meant to discover these tubes. <laughs> and I think about them often because when I'm in like my darkest moments, you know, and I'm like, I don't deserve to be here. They don't deserve to be here. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Like, okay. The, they, these tubes, okay. They evolved over 500 million years ago. They're older than lamprey. (laughs) (laughs) Even, yeah, so if you want a ranking of, like, the worst animals shouldn't exist, they're right there. And yet they've been here forever, so. What's their actual name besides, like, tube thing? Here's the thing. Okay, I was going to come into this, like, being like, I tried to Google them and I couldn't find them. Because you'd be, like, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised. It's obvious how hard it is to find an animal when you're just looking up tube ocean. <laughs> tube ocean animal? Tube ocean jellyfish? Honestly, honestly, Kimber, I feel like that's a lot of my research process. Yeah. It's just like me, yeah, me just searching like lake creature bone? <laughs> Fisherman bone lake? No. No. <laughs> None of those I did were find it. 
You did. did. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to curse you with this knowledge. Kimber! Because <laughs> what I'm going to do is go home and try and look this up on my own now. We're going to go home and Google tube ocean scary. <laughs> <laughs> worms because no most people wouldn't find these guys scary because they just look normal what's scary to me is that they just okay people who know me know i have a phobia of moths Mm -hmm. my issue with moths is not is not anything like inherent to moths or whatever it's that i don't like that they just sit on a wall and watch you until they just die (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they just like what are they doing like what do you want from me i don't like it it's so creepy that's my issue with moths it's not like i think moths are like ugly it's that i don't like that they sit on a wall and then just die i want to understand them and that's how huh. i feel about these tubes i'll never understand them yeah and maybe we'll never understand manipogo i have i looped it back around i think you i think you have well done <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say Right? Yeah. If if these tubes can exist, anything can. Sure. No, and that's fair. Yeah. Or and maybe guess... people saw lampreys and sturgeon and thought yeah. it was something else because the water is scary. I mean, I guess the thing is too that like you know we say here that we've got like fifty sightings of Manapogo, but we we actually have our fifty sightings of like something that was far away and dark and long. They don't all have to be explained by the same thing, right? There are lots of long dark things. Yeah. In the water. Some of them could have been could have been get out of sturgeon. here. <laughs> Some of them could have been um yeah, an elk that drowned. Some of them could have been a long man. <laughs> also, I feel like moose can swim. Yeah, so probably just a sick moose that was also swimming. Yeah, cuz like that the humps could that that makes sense with the being a moose also. In like a head like a horse. That's and true. An upsetting noise. That's true. I don't know. So at least one of them could have been a moose. One of them could have been moose. Yeah, could have the a walking fish. Awful. <laughs> it could be. I'm anything. burdened by this knowledge, yeah. and now you are too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably not a giant prehistoric snake, but I don't know. Maybe could be a real messed up fish. Could be. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's just Frank. we don't worry about him he's a little funny (laughs) i don't know do we do we have a conclusion it's uh it's it's halloween so i guess just think about all the awful spooky things in the water and (laughs) next summer go out to like winnipeg and try and see manipogo let's bring this back yeah for tourism tourism. We need to get some novelty, like, I saw Manapogo and all I go was the stupid shirt. <laughs> that actually would be really cute. Was there ever, like, touristy merch for Manapogo? Oh, I didn't come across any. <laughs> There's a really weird thing, which, again, I didn't know how to work out in, which is that at some point the Manitoba Young Liberals had this mascot, which was a bison, but people started saying it looked like Manapogo. It... <laughs> how badly did they draw the bison that it looked like a no, lake monster? No, it was like a plush thing. What? It did. It did look more like Manapogo than a bison. I'll put. A, I'll put a photo up on the website. Okay. Wasn't a great bison. I didn't see any Manapogo merch. It is also hard to search because there is a Manapogo beach. Oh yeah, which makes a lot of this a little a little trickier. You would think that Manapogo would be a pretty unique search term. It's and not. Yet. <laughs> um. Well, Kimber, thank you so much for joining us today. 
thanks so much for having me. I love any opportunity to talk about long, spooky guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to find another one for you next October. <laughs> Just another thank long you. thing. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening. Um, Sabrina, do you want to say all the socials? <laughs> because you don't remember them? I don't remember them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at One Great History. We're on Twitter at the number One Great History. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash One Great History. We've got all kinds of fun bonus episodes, including uh, October's is about a cordite plant. Yeah. That was uh, blown up. Yep. <laughs> Very interesting Transcona story right there. It's only $5 a month and lots of interesting things about Cordite and uh, Marilyn Monroe's secret parentage in Winnipeg, which is probably not true. <laughs> it's not in that Andrew Dominic Netflix film, let me tell you. No. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but yeah, we talk about a lot of the like, the kind of smaller stories that, you know, maybe we don't have quite enough for um, a whole episode for, but that are still really neat. Yeah. Uh, and we are on Redbubble at redbubble.com uh, forward slash one great history, selling all kinds of vintage logos on shirts and cups and tees, all kinds of fun things like that. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And thanks, Kimber. Thanks.